I almost advise them, anyone who asks me, like I, I tell them, like, go up to the wall of bankruptcy when you're young. You know, mm. it's it's a big deal if you're 50 and you're gonna lose your entire retirement yes. savings. But when you're 20, 25, like just just go for it. You know, mm-hmm. you you have some skills, you can rebuild. It's you have typically have no no spouse or family. So yeah. you can easily just restart. And so um if something approaches that gives you an opportunity where you need to borrow a lot of money, I you know, don't be shy of it. It's it's something that, at least for me, has has worked out well. And there's a couple of times it it almost didn't, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's worked out really well. So take the risks while you're young. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am super excited about bringing you uh, this young leader. Uh, his name's Peter Bendevis. We talk about a lot of things. So Peter was uh, was broke the all-time record back in the day, um, and we'll talk about that. And it been a record that it held and stayed for, you know, I think close to twenty years. Um, and then since then has been broken regularly. Uh, so he really sort of, you know, kind of broke the four minute mile. Uh, and then, and then everybody just jumping on top of that year over year in the last 12 years since Peter's been here, uh, completed as an, is an accountant with a midsize firm. Um, at the same time, he made a million dollar investment with his, uh, to, uh, buy the largest Eastside Mario's, uh, in the Waterloo area while they were doing that. They, he developed a very, very successful, uh, it doesn't speak to how monstrously successful, but has eight um, uh, wedding photographers um, and is just doing an incredible job in, in the wedding business. And it's just full-time income um, while still doing the other things and um, talks about some, some really challenging setbacks that would have really, really knocked other people down in a big way. Uh, and just has a, a real resiliency that I, I know you're going to want to hear uh, uh, right through to the end. So uh, thank you very much, leaders, for tuning in to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Really exciting about all the feedback that I'm getting from people. Um, you know what I'm up to, and that is finding amazing young leaders to come participate with the Student Works Management Program. If you have any feedback for me, you can uh, send me an email at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You could also have any young leaders go and apply at studentworks.com slash apply and send them our podcast, Leaders of Tomorrow. Uh, Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. So welcome, Peter, to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Super excited for you to be joining. Yeah, I am uh, very excited to be here. Well, fantastic. So, Peter, um, let's think back to before you joined the program, you know, in high school, you know, uh, what were you like? Well, I always had a, an entrepreneurial knack. I uh, I kind of started in elementary school uh, doing some lemonade stands and okay. sort of a very classic <laughs> thing that you do as a kid. Yeah. Then uh, also uh, sold some cookies. Yeah. And uh, the nice thing about that business is my parents paid for all the ingredients. So it was, uh, <laughs> Pure profit. Um, unfortunately, business doesn't become 
pure profit for the rest of your life, but <laughs> it was uh, a nice start. Nice start. And uh, I, I definitely felt supported in those kind of passions of mine. My uh, my father is a, a European immigrant, and mm-hmm. he moved here, and all he's ever done is is run various businesses. And right. So that kind of has transitioned uh, um, to me through osmosis by him kind of leading by example and talking about what he does and. And then uh, as I moved into high school, I uh, became a, a computer nerd and right. I got to use those yes. skills to um, to create another business of just fixing computers for various people. And I was doing website design. And by the time I wrapped up high school, I was probably building the most websites out of anyone in my small town of Collingwood. And it, uh, it helped pay for university and it was an awesome, flexible job. And I never yeah. had to flip burgers. So yeah. um, it just made a lot of sense to kind of continue down that path. Um, but at the same time, kind of being a nerd, I was lacking in communication skills and confidence right. versus kind of staring at a screen. I could kind of do a whole bunch of stuff, but the yeah. the face-to-face and sales and that sort of thing was something that I had uh, lots to learn in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, well, and it's funny as well, like, because I remember, uh, Peter, you working, you know, you know, again, while running a business or slow times, you'd still do stuff and people call you. And it was really mm-hmm. cool as well, because you also got a bunch of painting business from right. those people calling you. Uh, mm-hmm. So so that was great. Um, and I know, actually, since your first summer, Peter, I guess we're, I know, are we 12, 13 years or so? We've had unencumbered Rockstar success year over year over year since right. you revitalized the uh, the Collingwood market. So well done. Well, thank you. And I wanted to. I normally don't reach back on you know people's seasons, but I do think what you did was really pretty unique. In that 1987, Guy Metcalf, who now is a managing director of Morgan Stanley and uh, basically is on the board at Morgan Stanley and runs more real estate with Morgan Stanley than anyone else in the world. I'm told. Mm. Um, and he basically did a record that was not broken until you broke it. Um, and now it's been broken a whole bunch of times, yep. but you basically put it back in play. So thinking back on that summer, what, what do you take about you know, performing in that really, really high level? Yeah, well, it was certainly a, a huge confidence boost. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized looking back that I obviously had some skills that were valuable and useful, but um, having the ability to really use them and then see that I could do something that was very high level kind right. of inspired me to kind of keep pushing at that level and take much bigger risks, um, which we'll get into that have ultimately paid off. So right. it's been, uh, it's been something that I uh, know has been a launching board for me in terms of confidence and, and skills. And, and that's kind of really pushed my career forward as I've, I've moved out of the program. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, so what do you still rely on from the program, Peter? Yeah, uh, kind of alluding to it was confidence. So mm-hmm. I felt that I had a lot of kind of business skills just from learning from my father and kind of yeah. dabbling in some business stuff in the in the past, but really thinking that I could take million dollar risks and things like that would not have been something that I would ever have done until yeah. I uh, kind of had the success I I had in the program. So it definitely opened a lot of doors just from me gaining that confidence to believe in my skills that I had. And and then also I had the ability to generate those weaknesses and improve on them. So the communication and sales and um, mm-hmm. being aggressive in that kind of front of, of sales and lead gen and, and following up with people, I, 
I now use all the time. And yeah. I, I know if I hadn't have done the program and learned how often to follow up and how to how to ask for things and things like that, I uh, would not be as as far along as I would be today. I would kind of leave quotes and things with with customers and just hope they get back to me. Just trying to be nice and yeah, consider yeah. it, but. It's it's really good to to follow up and kind of pursue people and most of the times maybe maybe one out of a thousand people don't like to be pursued but otherwise it, it always works in your favor so um, one, those are one, the, the biggest things that I've taken away yeah ask ask the world for what you want right mm-hmm, you know and really sure. getting that but yeah, but I were, yeah. like your transformation is just so incredible I I but you know for our our leaders I had the opportunity to work with Peter during the couple of years directly that's that doesn't you know, very regularly happen with the thousands of people who've gone through our program, but I just had a, I live locally in the Collingwood area. So it just made sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just an awesome opportunity. And just seeing the transformation of just, um, you know, feeling, you know, start, start being quite introverted, quite, you know, uh, consultative and non-assertive to, you know, who you've become. And again, obviously you're still introverted, but right. Right. you have all these skills so that, if I need to do, be a certain way, you can be that way, right? right. And really quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes uh, my wife tells me I'm a different person when I'm on the phone with clients than I am. Don't ask me why I talk so much to clients. So I definitely have that <laughs> that face I can put on these days. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, honey, it helps. It helps make everything work, right? You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> so, so why don't you, why don't we walk through, um, you know, your career progress? So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so walk walk us through, you know, what we, what you're up to, etc. Post student works. Sure. So I uh, I joined Student Works. Um, I was in first year at University of Waterloo, studying to be an accountant, and mm-hmm. uh, so I uh, kind of continued on that path after my first couple of years at Student Works. Right. Um, so I started working at Deloitte, a big firm, and um, doing audit. And then after a year or so, I realized that it wasn't the place for me. I was feeling like a a monkey in the wheel of the machine, and right. And uh, then moved on to a, a smaller, medium sized firm where. I could kind of do more of what I wanted and they let me kind of roam free. And um, I uh, have continued that up until uh, about six months ago. And so I was doing business valuations and IT consulting and basically anything that um, was a, a non-traditional thing the firm would do. They would kind of approach me and I was like <laughs> my own little kind of mini business with inside the firm just to awesome. do kind of these, these one-off projects. And so that's what I was doing. And then uh, um, along the way, um, my wife and I purchased an Eastside Mario's. Um, so that would have been as I was finishing uh, my master's uh, mm-hmm. in accounting. So right. still uh, technically a broke student. And this is kind of the, what I was alluding to with my million dollar risk. So I right. um, went to the bank and and convinced them to give me a, a lot of money, even though I really didn't have that much. <laughs> right. And then bought a, an Eastside Mario's. And uh, we've been running that since 2013. So. Why don't we, why don't we pause there? There's a bunch, there's a bunch to dig into. Um, mm-hmm. So, so first of all, you, you basically went the accounting route. Uh, and, and so we lose a lot of our amazing talent uh, to people who choose that, which yep. is all wonderful. And again, we're about people achieving their own goals. So mm-hmm. Peter spent two years in our program, one year actually helping support and helping recruit, playing a really active role. We, we actually created a role for Peter uh, so he could stay mm-hmm. with us longer. And then he also worked in his business the second year, developing an amazing young guy, Fraser Lachance, who uh, had amazing success for a whole number of years in our business uh, and worked in partnership with him. 
And then, so I remember hearing about these side Marriott's because mm. you were looking to raise some money from some people. Yep. And so why don't you walk us through what that opportunity looked like financially as much as you can, you know, yep. just for, for our, for our young leaders going, yep, you sure. know, here's what someone was trying to do. They're trying to get out of the business. They, they, how do we make this sale? How do we, you know, so walk us through that. Yeah. So, um, while in school, I was studying uh, business valuations because I knew that was something that I'd be interested in. So mm-hmm. pricing of businesses and kind of structuring their deals was something I was fairly comfortable with. Right. Um, so that helped a lot to give me a little bit extra confidence to know that we were spending the right amount and right. we're going to hopefully make our money back and how much to spend and, and all of that sort of thing. Um, so my wife and I, we got married when I was in fourth year university. We were high school sweethearts and we right. just pulled the trigger right away and, <laughs> and we were glad we did that. Yeah. And uh, so when she moved uh, uh, to be with me, we did, uh, she had studied to be a paralegal, but in the meantime, she um, got a job managing at an Eastside Mario's in, in Waterloo. And so while she was doing that, we found out another one across town was coming up for sale. And, uh, she mentioned that just very casually to me and, and it <laughs> kind of stuck in my brain. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I started pursuing that and made some phone calls, talked to the listing agent and, and uh, started digging into the numbers and, and uh, realized it was for sale for about three quarters of a million dollars, which is a big chunk of money for a, a student. <laughs> so even though I had made pretty good money with student works, my yes. student, uh, I didn't have any student loans, but school was very expensive in the accounting program. and. So there was not that much money lying around to, to do something like that. So um, the, the one advantage of being an accountant, a doctor, or an engineer is uh, banks realize you're a very low risk profile and are happy to uh, dole out money to you. So on the pretense of kind of telling the bank I was going to extend my school and, and keep doing more in, in schooling, they, they gave me money for a lot of money, almost $150,000. Wow. Uh, that same day, I walked in, walked out with the money, and and uh, it's if you're in one of those uh, three disciplines, you do have kind of access to this money. So um, it is a an opportunity that you can pursue if uh, if something like that pops up and you need some money to invest. It's in my mind a very good time to do it. You have no money to lose. You're playing with the bank's money. Right. Young. So if you do go bankrupt, you can easily rebuild your credit in a few years. So right. Uh, that's just kind of a, a little nugget of wisdom that I feel could be used more often by someone who's has the entrepreneurial passion and happens to be studying in one of those disciplines. Wow. Um, so then after uh, getting this money and then purchasing the restaurant, the, the old owner financed kind of the balance of it and we slowly paid him off over time. And why don't you, why don't you share with our, our leaders how that's done? So that, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So it's called a vendor take back loan. Yeah. Um, so when someone's trying to sell, a lot of times um, they'll have people who are interested who don't have the money all up front and a bank won't finance 100%. Um, so who is in a better position than to be confident in the, the success of the business than the prior owner? So right. realize that myself being an accountant, my wife knowing how to run a business, we were pretty much as good of a team as he was ever going to find to run the business. So right. um, he was happy to kind of put up the rest of the money and we just paid him 7% interest and slowly paid him off over five or six years. Awesome. Um, and then once that was done, then the, the restaurant was completely ours. And so that's another way to structure deals. You can also do it um, with something called an earnout, where you pay them a percentage of the profits of the business. So 
that even kind of entices them more to to uh, have confidence because it's not a fixed amount. So if the business right. is going to kind of decrease enough that it would only cover the loans, then you're you're safe in that way as well. So there's lots of neat structuring options you can do to to reduce your risk in the purchase of a business. Right. No, that's that's great. And so also as well, like just you know, just in terms of doing that. I know at one one point you partner. Is that still the case? Yeah. So yeah, we bought it with a, another couple. Mm-hmm. Um, so he brought a little bit of money in as well. So I was just a little bit short. So yeah, um, he brought that in, and that kind of sealed the deal. Right. Um, and uh, currently, one out of the the two of them are still are still with us. And, and uh, it's been it's been a great decision so far. It's it, the first few years were a little slower than we had hoped, mm-hmm. um, but since um, things have picked up really well, um, locally uh, uh, Boston pizzas have all closed down, and so things are even better now. And we're okay. open for for continued growth. And it's a it's a tough business. It can be rather risky, um, but if you kind of pursue the customer experience and really work on kind of having uh, good staff and right. uh, maintaining good relationships with staff you can you can sort of do a lot better than the average yeah cuz cuz that that's certainly something from a distance you know i um you know the restaurant industry highly highly uh challenging a right. lot of restaurants go out of business a lot of people have a passion for running a business which means they make bad decisions about running that the right. restaurant business right so what do you and and then as well like i look at models like east side marios over the years mm-hmm. and, and a bunch of them don't exist anymore right so 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 that must mean that it's tough to do so yeah. so what what's east side marios done what have you guys done so that you're still going going strong yeah so you when you purchase a franchise you're always going to be at the mercy of the the franchisor yeah so it's uh hopefully a symbiotic relationship but right sometimes uh the franchisor they're they make a, a percentage of sales so sometimes they can be incentivized to let's just increase sale but our our, our margins are, are very slim right and so that can ultimately make them more money and you less money. And so it's not a winning relationship. A good franchisor will recognize that having profitable franchisees means more locations and a better relationship that will last longer rather than thinking of how do I maximize my dollars in the short term. And so fortunately, Eastsides has has gotten that so far. And obviously, everyone makes missteps along the way and things people will agree with and not. But on the on the whole, it's been a, a good relationship, and mm-hmm. they uh, they have good marketing programs. The brand has been strong. It's kind of in a in a niche spot um, where it's a, a family restaurant, and uh, there's still a, a, a large focus on uh, lots of fresh foods rather than kind of foods that come in a box that get quickly made in the back. Right. Um, so it has better food than um, some of our competitors, and then the unlimited soup, salad, and bread has has always been a draw for people. So mm-hmm. people occupied and, and eating when their food's being made. And so it's right. pretty appetizers essentially. And so right. that just, uh, even if your, your wait is a little longer, they've been nibbling the whole time. So they don't realize that they're, they're starving. So yes. it's, uh, it provides a little bit of a cushion in that sort and in, in that sense to kind of tide people over and keep them happy. And, and yeah. uh, then also having good management is key as well. So I've been fortunate that my wife is a strong presence at the restaurant yeah. and uh, I, I really do nothing. My, my official role as official taste tester is what I call myself. 
Uh, so I popped by every once in a while before we had kids, I would eat there <laughs> any, any night she was working and I cooked for myself when I could go there. And now that we have kids, it's a, a hassle to take them all there. And so right. we'll, we'll get takeout once in a while. But um, yeah, she's good at kind of managing relationships and being the assertive person there. She kind of has the, the natural assertive and assertiveness and outgoingness that, that I lack. So it's very uh, authentic for her. And she just kind of naturally slid into that role. And has done a great job. That's awesome. So, so you've, um, you know, I, I, I know. Uh, obviously, you, 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 you shared a little bit about your role as an accountant, and mm-hmm. so, but while you're an accountant, um, you start another business that is yes. really a significant business. So, why don't we talk mm-hmm. about that? What, what, yes. what, what motivated you, and you know, how's it going? Yeah. So, uh, when we were learning that we were expecting our first child, it was my excuse to, to tell my wife that we need some nice camera equipment to, uh, take, uh, photos of, of our, uh, our soon to be child. Right. And, uh, I, uh, I've always, I was getting into photography just more as kind of the techie thing. It was kind of fun, thought it'd be interesting. Never really had any plans on, on going anywhere with it. Maybe right. Just couple things here or there just for fun but um then uh, my wife is one of 11 children which is uh, a lot of children and so <laughs> a couple of her siblings were getting married and so i had this nice camera set up and um they're like oh why don't you just take the pictures for us we'll save some money and, right uh, i was totally happy to do that and i i really thought that was a lot of fun so mm-hmm. i did that and and took photos at the weddings and they turned out really well and mm-hmm. then uh i quickly realized that um, based on the market pricing and how much work it, it took me and, and what I could do, it was, it was a good, uh, good proposition. So I, that next year, I kind of started making a wedding photography business. Right. And uh, that first year, I shot about 60 weddings, which for anyone who's not familiar with the industry, most photographers who are full-time will do about like 30, and that's big, busy, full-time photographer. And so I just kind of smashed that out of the water as I typically do and then i uh <laughs> the, the next year i hired two people to come on board with me and right. pricing and at this point now we are up to uh eight people on my team wow. and we do about 250 to 300 weddings a year and uh i consider it my main source of income for myself right uh, so it's just it's been a great industry um and uh the wedding industry is a great industry as long as you're willing to give up weekends that's yes that's what you have to be able to do if you're willing to do that um, and work hard and kind of pursue business properly, you can, you can do very, very well. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. And so, 
you've got eight people working for you. Right. Um, so how, how were you able to c- collect all that business? Like what's separated you out? Yeah. So again, it's just taking risks. So the, uh, the first year I spent $20,000 on advertising and had kind of low, lower market pricing. Cause I just wanted to build a solid portfolio with the intent of the following year, jacking everything up and okay. essentially recognize as someone who's done a ton of weddings and and has a lot of skill and, and a lot of portfolio to show. So right. I did kind of a loss leader kind of approach for the first year. Still ended up making decent money, at least as right. much as I would have made per hour as an accountant. Right. Um, so yeah, most people don't have the kind of guts to spend 20 grand before you see a dollar right. up front. And then you need 10 grand of equipment. So all in all, it's probably $30,000 to kind of jump in and, and get going like I did. And right. a lot of other people will slowly build it and it takes 10 years to get to the same place. Right. So yeah, that, and that's something that I kind of had the experience from student work, spending a bunch of money in, in various advertising and yeah. seeing the results and and uh, just knowing that you could easily turn it off quickly. So it was all online. So if I was $5,000 in and wasn't seeing anything, I could I could turn the plug off and yeah, yeah, it would be a five brand, which wouldn't be great, but it's yes. it wouldn't be a big deal in, in the final tally of things. Um, and so then, uh, then I just kind of pursued that strategy onward. So I would, uh, in the industry, there's lots of people who are looking to get work, but don't have it. So it's, uh, recruiting is an easier aspect in the industry. The biggest kind of stumbling block for most people is, is getting work. Um, so I was able to get lots of work and, find some people who are reliable, which is key because you yes. mess up a wedding, you don't really have a redo. <laughs> and so you need uh, very trustworthy people. So they yeah. get paid fairly well, more than I would have most than I would have got paid as an accountant. And I, yes. I paid them well and, and they're they're loyal to me and I book them up, give them lots of work and they're very happy. And so my my biggest expense really is just advertising. So yeah. I spend a lot of time on sales calls and talking to people and emailing people and um, it works well for me because I have a lot of flexibility. So that stuff I can schedule around um, around my kids. And so my wife is working full time and I'm at home most of the time during the week. And so it's just an awesome lifestyle that's kind of developed out of a, a passion of mine. That's fantastic. I guess if, if we look at it personality wise, most photographers are are introverted and really, again, they, they don't really want to be talking to clients that much. They want to go right. do really great work, right? Mm-hmm. And they're really excited sure. about that and, yep. and let's go do really great work. So all those other activities you've developed in yourself to go and do, great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to invest a lot of money. I'm willing to run the marketing program because there's right. obviously some data analysis and making sure, sure that that you're getting a good return. And then yep. you're, you're, you're willing to go close business. Yeah. Right. And, sure. and then, you know, find people, uh, but, but they're, they're excited to come mm-hmm. work because they don't want to do all that. Right. They right. just want to go take pictures. Exactly. Yeah. So it relieves stress off them. Obviously I end up being between clients and them. So it's, mm-hmm. it can be a stressful role for sure. Cause um, not everyone is, is always happy with everything just as a business and, uh, weddings have a, a larger emotional component than, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and other, other businesses. But, um, Otherwise, it's it's a really good, really good industry. I I just love it. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of something that I fell into that um, I don't think I would have fallen into it in the same way without a, without having done the the student works program. Um, right. Or at least it would have been a slower build up for sure. Yeah. And then so it's it's become my passion, and and I'm just so grateful that I get to do what I love all the time. 
Well, that's fantastic. And so, so you've, you've left, uh, your accountant, uh, firm, right? Yeah. I, I'm on parental leave right now. Okay. Um, I, because I was doing such specialized stuff again, uh, if you've ever, I think the FU money book where you kind of, you save enough money, you can kind of just leave your employment and good things tend to happen when you tell them you want to leave. So they've offered me a contract to kind of work very flexibly and okay. a lot more money. So um, it's worked out really well. So um, it's, it's good when you have lots of sources of income because you can kind of play different opportunities off each other and pursue right. what works best. Oh, so wonderful. I'm, yeah, I'm on parental leave for another year. I'm not doing anything accounting wise, but right. um, photography is very slow in the winter. So once my kids get a little older, I, I plan on doing maybe a little bit of kind of consultancy work for my old firm. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I would consider myself just a full-time photographer. These days. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting as well, because is it true? And I can imagine that, that you just learn a lot doing consultancy work, learn sure, a lot, lot yeah. being an, an accountant and, and an advisor, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really good place to be. Um, being at the big firms is you don't learn as much in this way. Um, but in a smaller firm where you are in contact with small business owners all the time, especially yes. in the role that I was in, um, you get to see problems they have. You get to see kind of differences of industry, kind of ups and downs and how people handle things and what's the kind of biggest uh, um, crunch point in their business and what's yes. holding them back. And you see it's very varied across different industries. What's the hardest? Sometimes it's getting people. Sometimes it's getting sales. Um, sometimes it's managing the production. And so learning about kind of different processes to, to get through that is something that you can learn a lot from in the accounting field working for a, a smaller firm. Absolutely. No, I could, I could see that being really, really beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then as well, it's, it's one of those things as well, you know, to me, it's like, love what you do. Right. And I could see, you know, especially the role that you've got set up, you know, oh, wow, there's this person who needs me. I'm going to get a bunch of money. Uh, I'm going to be able to provide some value. I'll learn a bunch. I'll be able mm-hmm. to, you know, help out. Yeah. That's really great. And again, mm-hmm. work around my main thing, uh, yeah. you know, kids and yeah. my business. Yeah. Sounds, sounds, sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was a very good uh, accounting and f- wedding photography are very complimentary because they're obviously wedding photography is on the weekends and um, it's more busy in the summer, whereas mm. accounting is more busy in the winter. So it meant I was very busy all year round. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was I was able to kind of absorb a lot in the accounting side of things. And, and now that not that I've learned everything I need to know, no. but I, I've learned enough that I'm pretty confident to kind of approach almost any business opportunity or various industries and jump in with enough knowledge to become an owner and then learn the last little bit on my feet. Absolutely. And definitely you're a hard worker or you just have a hard time not doing stuff, right? right? Yeah. yeah. No, I get bored. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I uh, I wasn't thinking I was going to do much accountancy after my parental leave, but even just this winter, I realized I probably will get bored in, in the following winter. So Yes. I, uh, I like to keep busy. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What, what are you going to do? And, you know, I know, I know they're skiing, you know, yeah, uh, for the, sure. Peter's moving back home to Collingwood and building a place. So, uh, yeah. but yes. even that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, how many hours a day do you want to ski anyhow? Yeah. Maybe one or two, you know, so that's lots exactly of other, it. lots of other hours to fill. <laughs> well, that's great. So, um, you know, we've been talking about a lot of good stuff. What about mm-hmm. failures or mistakes and how'd you learn from those? Peter? Yeah. So, I don't think I had any like major catastrophic failures along along anywhere that right. I can at least recall. 
Um, but obviously there's kind of small things that maybe seem a little bigger at the time. I know mm. um, when I was running my painting business, I, I had a couple jobs that didn't go great mm. and, and they, they weighed on me at the time, but at the end of the day, everything got resolved and moved on and uh, was able to learn that things don't always go perfectly. And yeah. uh, that's just part of business. So same thing with wedding photography, we do our best and still some people, sometimes I make a mistake or I miss yeah. something and yeah. look in the wrong way and happen to miss something that would have been really good to catch. And, you know, you just have to realize everyone's humans and, yeah. um, I, I even look at like um, surgeons, you know, sometimes surgeons, which is in the most controlled environment of anywhere on earth, will accidentally leave a, a surgical instrument in yeah. someone. And, you know, people aren't perfect. And, no. and obviously it sucks to have that happen. But I've come to the understanding that, you know, everyone makes mistakes and, and you just kind of have to learn to accept that. Yeah, no. And I, and I remember, obviously I was very close to your business and, and, I, and I remember as well, it's like when there are, there's a problem, well, there's mm -hmm. also wins. So right. it's like, well, I'm winning and then, oh, here's a problem. And then let's figure this out. And, and, you know, something didn't go right. And there's a product failure, as I recall, mm -hmm. you know, here's, here's what we're going to do to, to solve that. Right. Mm -hmm. But actually I do remember something and, and uh, most people would see this as a failure or a huge issue. And you, you've totally, you know let it go, which is no surprising, Peter. But I remember you had a major renovation to do that was an uncalled for, an unexpected renovation at Eastside Mario. So why don't you talk mm. to our leaders about that? Because that, yeah. that's, that's yeah. a pretty big deal. Right. Yeah. So uh, every uh, once in a while, the man, the the brand mandates a, a change in look and feel. And overall, usually it's a good thing. And just mm. kind of like Zellers didn't renovate and now Zellers is no more. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's it's good to keep things fresh and and uh, kind of pursue brand renovations. Um, so while we were doing that, we also found out. Um, so this brand renovation was uh, this was planned, but then while we were doing that and had raised kind of all the money we could find to do that, we also found out our uh, our parking garage at our restaurant had major structural problems, um, which was going to amount almost to the half million mark to wow. repair. Um, so we had already kind of tapped out anything that we possibly had to, to kind of finance anything like that. And so um, what we ended up doing is I, I had to just go to my landlord and tell them like, look, if um, we're responsible for this technically based on our lease contract terms, but we can't do it. And so what's going to happen is we will have to declare bankruptcy and someone else will have to kind of take over. You'll be out of rent for a few months. Why don't we work something out where you finance this? We'll pay it back. Um, and so that was ended up what we did. So they they paid for a big chunk of it, and they became our lender for the project. And right. we've slowly paid them back over time. And and uh, it was a, a big hurdle at the time. It kind of took a, a couple of years of what we would have had as profits as yes. to kind of pay for something else. Yeah. Um, but we're we're past that now, and and the restaurant's doing great. So. Um, things come up and you just kind of deal with them and, yeah. and, uh, and just approach it as is. And ultimately I think, uh, I'm a pretty relaxed person. Things don't get to me very easily. And, uh, I just look at it at the end of the day in 10 years, I know I could, if I lost everything, I could kind of be back where I was. And right. at that time, I, 10 years from then would have been, I would have been 33. So it's still, I'm still young. So right. if everything didn't work out in that moment, I knew. I had skills to to do something else and and build it all back. 
Yeah. Well, it's great to have that confidence. And I, I felt similarly. And, uh, and again, just for our leaders, like hopefully they got that a half million dollar problem <laughs> and, <laughs> and breathe and it's okay. Yeah. And I remember, and again, I remember having conversations with you about that problem. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it, it, it really is just in the context of what was going on in your life. Hey, you had a business that was really going well. Your accountancy was really going well. You know, obviously a family and relationship mm-hmm. really going well. This yep. is a big problem. And on the other hand, it's, this is something that can be overcome, right? Right. Over time, this is not something you expected, uh, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's what you take on when you're a leader, you take on, there's going to be unexpected stuff. That's going to feel like, you know, running me over. And Mm -hmm. and I've had a lot, anybody who's ever been out there, you're going to have a lot. (laughs) And, you know, again, I think you've always managed your stress very well. And, and again, there's a context. Well, I know I can be successful. I know I could rebuild. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that's the worst case, right? Yeah. The worst case is bankruptcy. So that's yeah. what Peter's done on a number yeah. of occasions in this podcast. <laughs> the worst case is bankruptcy. I can handle that. So mm-hmm. I would rebuild, you yeah. know, and, and, and that's a great, a great thought. Mm-hmm. Not a great, well, sorry, a great strategy. Yeah, for not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, anyone who is low stress, I almost advise them. Anyone who asks me, like I, I tell them like, go up to the wall of bankruptcy when you're young, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big deal if you're 50 and you're going to lose your entire retirement yes. savings. But when you're 20, 25, like just, just go for it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have some skills, you can rebuild It's You have typically have no, no spouse or family, so yeah. you can easily just restart. And so um, if something approaches that gives you an opportunity where you need to borrow a lot of money, I, you know, don't be shy of it. It's, it's something that at least for me has, has worked out well. And, there's a couple of times it, it almost didn't, but yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's, it's worked out really well. So take the risks while you're young. Awesome. Awesome. And so, um, you know, as you went from a university student to a business owner, value creator, what did you have to change about yourself, Peter? Yeah. So it's, um, as you kind of move out into the world, um, things become more complicated, obviously. Mm-hmm. So when you're in school, there's uh, everything's nice and tidy and usually fits into a nice box. But right. when you get out there, problems aren't always kind of easily wrapped up in a bow. Right. Um, so uh, accounting wise, just kind of thinking on your feet, but then also being able to tell people, I don't know the answers to that, you know, and, and stepping back and uh, just being confident in the fact that you don't know something. Yes. Um, so that just shows people that I find that makes them trust you even more. You know, if you have the confidence to say, I have no clue, but I know people who do know, and I can figure that out and get back to you rather than trying to pretend to make up an answer. And maybe they believe you, but then it turns out to be the wrong answer and (laughs) lost the trust. And and, uh, so it's uh, in the accounting world, it's, it's so key just to, I don't know. And there's so much to learn. Um, there's so many areas of specialty and you can go so deep in various areas that you just can't know everything. And so of course being willing to, um, admit you don't know something is, is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's such also just a high integrity, right? right. It's, it's in, it, and it's so out of integrity to say, you know, if you don't know, right. right? It's just mm-hmm. so out of integrity. How can, you know, and if, if someone really, you know, a leader thinks about that, well, you know, if Peter's telling them he knows and he doesn't, he's completely out of integrity. How could right. I trust Peter? Mm-hmm. So, so the, so the inverse is really powerful to look at. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I can't do that. Right. right. Now, by the way, I'm sure there's a lot of people 
listening who may be doing that in their lives, right? right. But but that's okay because that's what we do when we're young until we figure it out, right? And that there's it's actually people have confidence when someone says, "I don't know," you know, mm-hmm. and and you know, I'm not aware, etc. And and even even again in my business, there's lots of things that I just don't know about about my business, and that's okay. Other people know better. Mm-hmm. That, that's okay. Or I need to go to, you know. Our, our, our specialist, or we need to go to our advisors, like you said, accounting, legal, finance, all these things. Other people certainly know way more than I do. And that's, and that's a good thing to know. So if someone wanted to do what you do, Peter, what key habits would they have to steal from you? Yeah, I, uh, I think having some technical skills along with uh, some, some business yeah. skills are kind of my my winning strategy. So yeah. um, when I was young, obviously I wasn't a good baker by any means. So the cookies weren't a, a good example of that, but um, having some computer skills was the, the first example where yeah. that really came into play. And so having some kind of technical skills um, easily just makes you so marketable and then you yeah. can dabble in the business side of things. So I, it wasn't a big business by any means when I was doing the, the computer stuff. I nope. had a few kind of old ladies and yeah. I just needed help. And so yep. I would just go out and a lot of times they would come pick me up. So very, <laughs> very interesting arrangement there, but they were happy to come get me and I was happy to go fix and everything yep. worked out great. And so just learning to do the customer service and everything. Um, and then that's really kind of kind of how I've approached everything thereafter. So accounting, obviously, five years of, of university training to do that. Mm-hmm. And then plus some of the IT stuff that I knew. Um, has kind of worked out into what I was doing in the accounting side of things. So all that technical stuff. Yeah. And then kind of having my own clients at a young age at the firm, just to kind of do what I did and people trusted me to do that. Um, and then photography is another good example of that. It's, it's not nearly as technical. It took maybe three weeks of YouTube and various blogs to kind of learn how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, after that, it was just kind of driving the business aspect and, a lot of times people will have one or the other. Um, and my mind, it's so helpful to have both a, a good technical skill and the business aspect. And then you're, you're just ready to roll and, and start a business and understand it from the inside out. I can't, can't agree more. I just, you know, we see a lot of uh, operators in our business who, you know, coming from, you know, business, which again is mm-hmm. a great grounding and super. But again, when you can have a real specialty or a real skill mm-hmm. or go and also as well, go really deep in one area. Right. You know, I've spent my life really coaching and training. That's mm-hmm. really what, I guess, the technical skill I have. Right. And I, I used to get paid to, to coach and facilitate outside the business. And now the business is just take, you know, so many opportunities here. I don't do that anymore, but, but that's really the, the, the skill set that I have that really gets maximized in this business. And, mm-hmm. um, what can we really be great at? And then, and then we can, then we could build skills around that more generalist skills. Oh, I can scale, I can market, you know, et cetera. And so it's, are, are those things like, you know, photography, uh, computers, are those things that you're passionate about? You like, do you yeah, enjoy for doing sure. Yeah. yeah. They, they were definitely things I was interested in. And, uh, obviously as you run a business and deal with those things all the time, your passion typically yes. dwanes a bit. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it was something that I, I was passionate to learn it in the beginning. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So w- Peter, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, last question, what comes to mind? I really struggled to kind of think of something for this. So I, I, I'm of the opinion there's, there's all shapes and sizes of leaders. So, right. um, there's, there's people who are 
um, good at being kind of communicative with staff and there's people who are good at training and there's people who are good at technical skills and there's people who are good at kind of leadership of the business aspect. So I don't think there's a, a right answer. Um, but in my case, I, I really think it comes down to having some confidence to kind of take big risks and then also having some kind of skill that's, that's marketable and kind of combining that with the, the business aspect of, of kind of taking risks and, and uh, pursuing and kind of pedal to the metal. Um, right. I think those are a good recipe for success, you know, and you might not always hit it first time. I think there is um, something to be said about luck in business, but obviously yes. um, knocking on the door of opportunity all the time, you'll eventually kind of have that lucky break after a while. Yeah, I think that there's a bunch of, uh, there, there's definitely good fortune and some sometimes people will in good fortune pick the right opportunities but mm-hmm. then as well a lot of times it's they're looking for those opportunities you right. know and and then later in their career you'll see them do it again and you go okay <laughs> no <Right>. luck <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for you sure know, they, yeah no i look yeah. back at at east sides and um i didn't really know much about the franchise or franchisee relationship and how that mattered and so i could have easily had bought into boston pizza for example yes uh, and just recently almost all of them closed in our area so Wow. Um, I, I consider that kind of to be some good fortune on my half. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's something. There's also the the aspect that we work hard at the business. So maybe yes. it wouldn't have done the same if, if we had taken over the Boston pizzas instead. So um, it's hard to really know. But I, I like to be humble and, yes. and, uh, and kind of know that I can make mistakes. And that just keeps you on your toes when other opportunities arise that you know, you, you could make a mistake. So be careful. <laughs> Definitely. And, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. yeah, no. And I think that that space of uh, being humble is, is, is great. And I know that's always uh, uh, where you sit for sure. And uh, yeah, like, you know, in, in the end it's, it's just, what's the next action I'm going to go take, right? Mm-hmm. What's the next, okay, there's a problem. We have a half a million dollar problem in at our East side Marios. What's right. the next action? Literally for a lot of people, that would stop them in their tracks. Right. That would go, oh, it's insurmountable. How could we? How could we ever get out of this? How could we pay this off? They just they don't have the future based thought. You know. Right. Now, one of the things as well is in your family, you had, you know, was it one or two other incomes at the time? Two. Yes. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that also helps. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Well, you know, I, we we're, we can live on more than live on my accounting income, and yep. then on top of it, we're I'm developing this other business. So, mm-hmm. so it, it does help, like you said, okay, I've got other things going on. So. Right. For sure. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it was good. If, uh, it's always good to hedge your bets. So yeah. if someone's in third year university, you know, it's probably a good idea to finish it. If it's kind of more of like a technical field where there's yeah. a lot of opportunity rather than jump out and kind of start the business, you know, it's always good to have something to fall back on. Cause that, that gives you confidence to really drive your business forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you were mentioning as well for banking, you know, et cetera, it, you get looked at differently because you completed, you get looked at differently because you're an accountant, you get looked at differently, you know, so, so that completion just matters so much, Mm -hmm. you know, as a leader moving forward. Right. Right. Well, well, Peter, thank you so much. I know this took a while. We've been after Peter for a while, but he's got yeah. a busy life. And I so appreciate you coming on the pod today and yeah. uh, and continued success. And we're also, by the way, we're clients of Peter's Eastside Marios. Every year we go and have a, a an event there, 
Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I haven't been for a couple of years. I need to stop by next time. Oh, yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah. And, and by the way, your staff is great. Uh, your leadership team's great. They're all over it and, uh, you know, well-managed, um, oh, you know, and, you. And, and, and I know you can share that with your, uh, yes, with your I will, wife. I will tell her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know you have nothing to do with that, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> so, except you've got a great partner. Well done. So, uh, so again, uh, thanks so much and, uh, have yourself a fantastic day. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Cheers, Peter. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.